0: well thanks for being here this evening my name is kevin conover and i'm the host of educate for life radio down here in southern california we're on k praise 12 10 a.m as well as fm 106.1 um, and of course we're all over the uh internet all over social media and uh you know one of the big things that my students have to constantly deal with uh, we talk about this all the time we talk about college because i i'm a 12th grade bible teacher Christian apologetics teacher um, at Christian High School down here in Southern California with uh, Pastor David Jeremiah. And um, the students are all, you know, uh, excited for this huge, uh, big change that's coming in their lives to graduate. But they're also, a lot of them, very nervous about, um, you know, what's happening next with education, what's happening with uh, you know the decisions they're going to make. Am, am I going to pick the right career? Am I going to be able to make enough money to to be able to do well and to to have a family and to buy a home and and of course one of the big issues that comes up is you know getting into their colleges. They're applying to a lot of colleges and so. Uh, they're they're taking their, their SATs and they're also concerned about the cost of college. It's constantly an issue that comes up. They're weighing uh, between colleges and saying, can I afford to go to this college? This is the one I really want to go to. But on the other hand, this one's more affordable. And of course, uh, this is an, a, a very pressing issue. Uh, I was doing a little bit of research on this issue before the show. And um, I looked up how much has the price of college increased since 1970. And uh, what I came up with, it says here, during the same period, Uh, Tuition and fees at private institutions jumped by a similarly astronomical 2,107% from $1,706 in 1970 to $37,650 in 2020. Between 1970 and 2020, the dollar had an average inflation rate of 3.87% annually, resulting in a cumulative price increase of about 567% during the last 50 years. And so the this is uh, absolutely incredible. The cost of education has gone up 567%. A- average inflation has been 3.87%. And so um, it's pretty uh, daunting for a lot of young people as they're embarking on getting an education. For that reason, I have a great guest with us this evening who really speaks to this issue. Um, her name is Jean Burke. She's a homeschooling mom and creator of College Prep Genius. Um, it's college, You can check it out at collegeprepgenius.com. And she's worked with thousands of high school students and their families, not only um, helping students with the SAT and prepare for the SAT, but also helping students attend college At little or no cost. And she's been featured on Fox News, CBS, NBC, ABC, and uh, as well as uh, many other stations and the Homeschool Channel also. And so um, she has a lot of insight after 15 years of dealing with these issues. And uh, Jean, thanks so much for being on the show this evening. Thanks, Kevin, for having me. Absolutely. Uh, So how did you get, uh, how did this become what you do? I mean, you're traveling to, this is, I met you at a homeschool convention. And so this is how we, uh, you you know, you're, you're, you just came from the Florida convention. I think that has 15,000 families or something like that. Um, What made you decide to get involved in, in this particular area and help families like this?
1: Well, it definitely wasn't something I set out to do, Uh, you know, some 17 or 18 years ago when my son was in ninth grade, we literally had no money for college zero because we were a one income family homeschooling and we did want our kids to go to school but there was just no money and I was at my friend's house one day and she happened to mention that there was free college based on a test score well I'd never heard that but I thought well maybe this is a way we can get some college money Uh, but we didn't have any money to spend on one of those expensive schools that may or may not work and so with my son Josh very helter skelter. We did a lot of different things. We bought some books at the store. We took some local classes. We went through tons of practice questions over and over and over again. And short story long, um, he became a National Merit Scholar. And over about a year's period, we ended up throwing away about seven trash bags of college offers. And these were offers that came in my mailbox for a whole year, full ride, free tuition, free room and board, free grad school, free study abroad stipends um, honors dorms. I mean, the list went on and on. And then after my daughter got scholarship money, my friends were all wanting to know, well, how did y'all get free college? How did you get all scholarship money? And ultimately I wrote a book, started a class at my home, teaching other kids on how to beat the test. Because at the time I did not know that 85% of colleges will admit and give money just simply based on a test score. And so once I created this little class that I started at my home, I had people from other cities wanting me to come and teach it and others and schools started wanting me to come to their schools, other States. And now I've taught in several other countries as well. So it seems like free college is a theme all across the board, no matter where you live or no matter how much money you make.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Nobody's going to, nobody's going to turn that down. Uh, It doesn't matter who you are or where you're from. Uh, That's a issue that all families are looking for help with. And uh, a lot of families are dealing with, um, you know, trying to weigh the pros and cons of where do I put my money? I've got a limited amount of resources here. And, and what do I do? Um, You know, when, when a family is looking at something like this and they're trying to make a decision about where they, they should send their kid to college. um, You know, what kind of, do people come to you individually and get help or is this simply um, purely through your website? Explain to us um, how your organization works.
1: So we have been primarily a test prep company um, because of us getting free college based on test score. We put together a program on how to beat the SAT and ACT and PSAT, CLT, all these tests. Um, so most of the time people just come and they, do, they, they take advantage of, of our classes, which are, can be a virtual boot camp. It could be an online e-course self-paced, or we also do live boot camps as well. Um, BC, before covid um, we were all across this nation teaching classes, and then we got shut down. They started to resume. Um, I was in Washington State just a few days ago. Um, next week, I'll be in Gainesville, Florida. Then from there, I'm going to go to Gaithersville, Maryland. So we have classes resuming for uh, you know, in person, um, but you can do our self-paced or our virtual class as well. Uh, but, but then I started getting into just the mechanics of paying for college, not just the test score definitely, but also um, just Taking people step by step through what you should be doing every you know every grade, how to pick a college, how to pay for college. So that's something we definitely have incorporated into um you know into our company because there's there's a lot getting in the doors definitely and getting it paid for is great, but there's other steps that you need to take like applications and essays and transcripts, um, and so we've definitely started um, in that area as well.
0: So uh, you know um, how young do you start with this sort of a thing? Um, you know, when when I I've got a you know I've got a fourth grader, a sixth grader, and a and a and a ninth grader. Um, how how soon do you start that process of um, you know working towards you know eliminating as much of the cost as possible for college?
1: Probably yesterday.
0: Yeah. <laughs> no.
1: So the sooner you start, the more time you have to improve. If you're talking about test prep. We have sixth graders, seventh graders, and above who do our program. Now, doesn't mean every sixth grader is ready because they're not. Um, but here's the thing: you can't get time back, and so test taking is just like any other any other skill, like like a sport or a piano. Um, it's debatable. The great thing about learning how to take a test, and unfortunately, the reason why smart students, even valedictorians, bomb these tests all the time, is because it takes a different skill set. And they're based on logic and critical thinking, which is not taught in most schools. And so most students will not not have a, a score that reflects their GPA. And so once you understand that there are no new questions, a standardized test has standardized questions and standardized answers. And so these tests are beatable. You, you don't study for the test. You study the test themselves. You learn the recurring patterns. And once you learn the recurring patterns, and then you just practice and accuracy before speed so once you learn that you can start answering questions in 30 seconds or less because you get about a minute per question but most students are just going to spend two or three minutes and then burn the clock up um so if you have like like right now rising senior don't think it's it's too late because it's not i've seen amazing miracles and you, you still have plenty of time but you don't want to put the pressure on those seniors or even the juniors if you don't have to if you can start them earlier uh, what it's going to do is it's going to help them lessen that test anxiety and help them gain that test maturity because as they get older and they get further into high school, they're going to get busier with more school, more homework, maybe a part-time job, maybe sports, friends, clubs. And they're so busy that it's, it's very difficult to squeeze one more thing into their schedule. So this is why starting test prep um, is so important that you do it early. We do, we teach in a lot of schools, public school, private schools, even charter schools. And it's something that you can incorporate into your school or in your home if you're homeschooled, and and you can call it an elective. So yes, it, it because there's no instant success, and you can't shortcut the shortcut, you you definitely want to start early.
0: Okay. And um for parents that are listening and you know, families that are you know looking at the different classes they have to take and how to fit these things into their schedule. Um is there a recommended age to start? Uh you know, it's always it always cracks me up. Um sometimes when I'm at the homeschool conventions, there'll be a family going by and I'll say, Hey, how are your kids? And they'll say, they'll say, Oh, one and uh three. And and I'm thinking to myself, wow, wow, you're here. You're really getting a head start. (laughs) And uh, they, you know, they uh, it, it's great. And, and I ask them, you know, and, and they say, yeah, we're just preparing. We're just starting and, and we want to get a head start. And I think that's really cool. But, you know, uh, it, is there such a thing as t- too soon to, to invest this time? Or do you have an age at which you say, yeah, now is the time where you really need to dig in and make this happen?
1: Well, absolutely. And, and of course, there's no one size fits all, but there's a general rule. Um, for your younger kids, I would definitely incorporate logic and critical thinking Mm -hmm. into their schooling, whether they're in homeschooled or not. Um, Because since all these tests, basically, whether you're taking an SAT, ACT, maybe a GRE, an LSAT, an MCAT, they're all standardized logic tests. Mm. And they're going to test you on your ability to answer questions under pressure in a short amount of time. They're not testing you on law. They're not testing you on medicine. um, They're testing you on your thinking skills. And so Younger kids should definitely be taking, you know, incorporating some kind of uh, of logic, which is is a needed uh, skill that we that we are lacking for sure in many schools. Um, But, you know, if I was going to say, ideally, you know, I would say probably no later than eighth grade if possible. Now, we we've had a couple fifth graders, which, again, that's extremely rare. A good, you know, a good amount of sixth graders, but a ton of seventh graders and definitely eighth graders and above because those students. Um, can ha- we'll have time to really solidify the information so they can apply it appropriately? And the more you go over it, because you're going to retain about 10% of what you hear the first time, so hmm. you really need to internalize it, and that's going to take you several times to hear the information um, and get faster of answering questions quickly. So, um, but does it doesn't. But you may have someone may have a sixth grader that's ready. Someone may not. They their child may not be ready till ninth or tenth grade. Um, but what you don't want to do is wait to the last minute, because these are not like normal school tests, school tests you can cram for, it's a bunch of information that you learn in the classroom, and then you regurgitate it back out on the test. Um, these questions are not content based, and they are dried from all over the place. So there's no studying for them. And that's why uh, it's important that people realize that, you know, and I think this is what happens a lot of times, with a lot of test prep companies, unfortunately, will teach you families, and sometimes it's for thousands of dollars, they'll teach families like more math concepts and thousands Mm. of vocabulary words and grammar. And they're reteaching school all over again. And they're just wasting a family's time and money. um, Because it's not about how much information you can cram. It's about how to look at a question, how not to be tricked by it, and know that they use the same patterns and the same trick answers on every question.
0: That's really interesting. Yeah. I was doing a little bit of research on this and I, I, I thought it was uh, very interesting. I, I, exactly what you're saying is what I what I read about. Uh, this was uh, from NBC News. It said, um, while the new SAT format may be less stressful for students in many ways, it is this stress which colleges have historically been testing. Colleges have used the SAT to judge students' adaptability and problem solving capacities the SAT uncovers the student's ability to solve problems quickly students must learn to be flexible rather than rigid in the hurried environment successful SAT problem solving has historically depended on emotional self-management um and that was so interesting to me that um, like you're saying it's not about facts and memorizing a bunch of facts or anything it's really about um answering questions and uh uh, under pressure in, in that environment, um, explain that to us a little bit more. When you say the focus of the test is on logic, it's on um, you know problem solving. <clears throat> what does that mean as far as how does that play out in the test? Uh, um, you know, are, there, are they asking people riddles or, you know, what's going on here exactly? <laughs>
1: no, I know. And, I, and I'll break down the different sections for you. Uh, and, and just as you were saying about that article, which is a really good article, I, I, I'd love to see that because that was great. And here's another reason why colleges use SATs and ACTs. And that's because they know that a 4.0 at one high school is not the same at another. Every Hmm. school calculates their scores differently. So the only fair way to compare all students equally, whether you live in California or Texas or Florida or you're homeschooled or public school, is a test like an SAT because it levels the playing field. Because some kids might take hard classes, hard school, and another kid has easy school, easy teacher, easy classes, and they have the same GPA. Hmm. So on paper, they look the same. So there has to be some numerical element that's common to all applicants is mm-hmm. why they use these, these tests. But so, for example, in the reading portion, and when I'm talking SAT, I'm also talking ACT as well, and even PSAT and even CLT. Um, and that is because um, the every college takes SAT or ACT does not matter. They're accepted by 100 percent of colleges and they're about 99 percent the same test. So. There's a, a crossover information that you can use on both, so there's no need to study for two different things. Same thing with the PSAT. Um, so, for what example, in the what reading about, section.
0: What about when okay. it comes to um, to higher level tests like the LSAT or the MCAT? Is that the same principle there too? Oh, yeah, or is that yeah completely? Okay.
1: If you think about it, if, if my son's an attorney. If you, th- if you think about it, if you're going to go to law school, you don't know anything about law. They're not going to test you on law because you know nothing. That's the whole premise of you going to law school. Mm. So they're going to test you on your critical thinking skills. So, yes, I, I show law LSAT questions, MCAT. They're not going to test you on medicine. Grad school. These, these tests are all the same. They're all the same. Mm. They A standardized test is written in a way that there's one objective, indisputable answer and several distractors. And once you learn that, you can attack the test completely different than you would if you were like cramming for a bunch of information. Um, So same premise. Uh, But let me let me explain a little bit about like you're talking about, are they riddles? So, for example, the reading portion of the SAT and ACT uh, English class, you would read a passage and then you would answer questions that go with the passage. If you do that to the SAT or ACT, you're going to do terrible because there's five different types of questions. And they're all answered differently. And the answers are found in the exact same place every time. So you can skip 75% of the passage and still get every answer right. So you wow. learn the five types of questions and you put them in the right order. And then you go exactly to where the answer is. And by the time that you get to the last questions, your answers are already were already found in the previous answers. So again, it's, it's, very, it's a very quick way to find the answers. Um, the math, instead of working out the long way and showing your work, and crunching a bunch of numbers, um, every math problem can be answered without a calculator in 30 seconds or less. Wow. Um, The writing language English part, part, now, now get this, on the SAT you get four passages, 44 questions and 35 minutes to do it in. So that's 47 seconds per question plus the four passages. There's logistically no way to do it. Yeah, ACT has five passages and they only give you 36 seconds per question. Um, So there's no way. But here's the cool thing about the writing portion. Again, you can skip most of the passage and um, they only use 13 recurring problems on the test. And there's a a pattern that occurs as much as 75% of time where you can answer the questions in 10 seconds or less. So again, it's about you understanding the patterns and the logic. And when you're looking at these answers, for example, what do I not like about these answers? What, you know, if if you learn to scrutinize the answers because of the, they use the same wrong patterns and challenge every answer choice, then you can be able to eliminate the wrong answers first, which will leave you with the right answers.
0: Wow. Interesting. So um, when you, you know, when you're um, college prep genius and you have families engaging in this, taking the courses and doing this. Is, is there something, uh, and this is incredibly valuable for families, uh, and I, I'm, I'm curious to know about this too, how, how the increase in score begins to impact uh, the decrease in the cost that a student has to pay. I'm very interested in that. Um, but um, my question is, uh, beyond Beyond the SAT, the, the the LSAT, these other things, are there other parts of life where you where when a student goes through this course, it actually helps them in areas beyond uh, this this test taking, <clears throat> or is it strictly with these tests to get into you know college and so forth?
1: No, what's been really cool is that over the years, um, many of our families and we have lots of testimonials on our website have used these same skills not just for SATs and ACTs and Uh, getting into college and getting scholarship money Uh, and I'll come back to that point your point in a moment about the the points and how how that can impact your money Um, but our kids are going to be tested all their life not Hmm. just getting into college and scholarships um, or if they go into grad school law school med school but also at their job someday I've had people who say oh I use your strategies on the CPA test Hmm. or the real estate test or the test to get into to work at Hobby Lobby Who knew Um, (laughs) I met an engineer recently, (coughs) excuse me, who said, you know what, after you heard me speak, he said, you're hundred percent right. He said, we get tested every six months um, for certifications and they don't test us on our engineering ability because everybody at my company are all different ages from different backgrounds. He said, they test us on our, on our critical thinking skills. So yes, this will follow you long beyond your, your SATs and getting into college and all that. But to your point about the, how it affects um, uh, the, uh, the money. So colleges are ranked nationally based on test scores. So the higher the score, the more scholarship money they give you because you make them look good. Mm-hmm. And what happens is when you make a college look good with your high test score, and they go up in the rankings. They get more funding. They can attract students who, ha- who can pay full sticker price. Um, they can attract athletes. Uh, who are very talented, but only need the minimum to get in, which is going to drop their, their rankings down. So the kids with the high score, scores are so desirable to these colleges because it's going to make them look better. Um, and this is why, you know, sometimes one or two more points on your ACT or another 100 points on your SAT will get you another 10, 20,000 a year. Um, most college websites will list their scores. They might say, for example, to get into my school, you need this score. But to get a partial scholarship, you need this score and a half and a full ride. For example, I think it's the um, uh, University of Alabama. Uh, you can get the uh, I think it's a presidential scholarship on a twenty-six ACT or twelve forty SAT. Um, I, I have a long list of you know of I didn't have that in front of me, but colleges that will be just based on your test score. This is this is where we'll give you a, anywhere from full tuition all the way up to a full ride plus. And when they say plus That means they not only pay for your full ride, but they'll give you, you know, maybe grad school money. Maybe they'll give you $5,000 spending cash. Maybe they'll pay for your, you to study abroad in another country. Um, But they're trying to entice you to come to their school to bring their rankings up. Mm. And, you know, we just got past this um, COVID um, and the, uh, you know, a lot of schools said, well, we'll still take state test option until 2023. Well, then about a month ago, MIT made a big announcement. And they said, guess what? We're going back to testing because it's the it's the only fair way Mm. to compare students equally. And it's the only fair way to help students and underserved communities because they don't have that luxury to go into expensive school or a prep school, a high school. But they they can all take the same test everybody else takes. And that was MIT. And of course, what happened was everybody started following suit once Mm. MIT said that.
0: Yeah. Wow. That's really interesting. Um, For those of you just tuning in, my guest today is Jean Burke. She's with collegeprepgenius.com. You can check it out. And uh, it's a fantastic way to improve your test scores uh, for these standardized tests for college. But um, even more than that, of course, that standardized test affects um, the scholarship money that you're able to get from a college. And I'll just read some of these stats again. Student loan debt in the United States currently totals somewhere around $1.762 trillion. 15% of all American adults report they have outstanding under- undergraduate student debt. 7% report outstanding postgraduate student loans. 34% of adults age 18 to 29 years have student loan debt, making them more than twice as likely as adults in any other age group to have student debt. The average public university student borrows 30000 to attain a bachelor's degree, and the average federal student loan debt balance is $37,000. Um, so, you know, uh, what are your thoughts when speaking to a family and, you know, talking to them about the importance of what, what you're doing and the importance of their kids doing this? I, I mean, the the amount of debt that these uh, people, these, these young people are loaded with uh, coming out of college is... You know, huge. It's it's greater than it's ever been, as far as I uh, what I've researched. Um, What are your thoughts about that?
1: Well, yeah. First of all, college is a lousy investment if you have to spend years paying for something you did in four years, and the average student spends twenty years paying off college debt, Mm -hmm. which means they're not able to get a mortgage. Uh, You know, a lot of them are delaying marriage, having kids, and the statistics show that seventy percent of believers don't tithe um because of college debt so it is a snowball effect Mm -hmm. Uh, and the great thing is is that you know every time we are in this sort of election year every four years there's always people who who always promise you know free college here and there but here's the good news there's already free college Mm. there's so many ways to go for free and and it doesn't matter your income and one of the things that i tell families is that it doesn't matter whether you're low income you are low to middle, middle, middle to high income, it doesn't matter um, because here's, here's the key. And, and I have a lot of inside secrets that I share. Um, but one of the things is no matter where you are and you at your uh, income level right now um, is that uh, if you're in the low income bracket, you know, and what is, what is considered low income? Well, some colleges will consider 40 to 60,000 low income, but Stanford and Princeton consider $140,000 low income. So that's kind of crazy. Yeah, um, but if <laughs> wow. you're middle, here's the thing: doesn't matter what your income is, you can get free college at low income. But you can also get it uh, based on what's called needs needs based programs. Um, but merit based, if you are above what would, they would consider low income, or, or stuck in the middle like most of us are, then you want to chase the merit. Now, how do you find the colleges, the free college? And here's just one secret, um, and that is you can. Um, google common data set or cds uh, or common data set in a school that you're looking for uh, looking into and you want to find the schools where your student stats are above the 75th percentile so in other words their sat for example um let's say they're their 75th percentile is 1150, but you've got like a 1300 SAT. That is well above the 75th percentile. That's where the free rides start happening. Oh,
0: wow. So Interesting. And,
1: and there's nearly 5,000 colleges. When you when you add up all the colleges and the junior colleges and the trade schools and all that, you're looking at about 5,000 schools. And so you can, it, it may not be your dream school, but you know, what is a dream school? A dream school is one you don't have to pay for.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and
1: so... You can find, and, and that's just one, one way. But you want to get your test scores up because you open you open up so many opportunities um, for for you know uh, amazing scholarships all across this nation. Um, another thing that people can look at too is go to the Department of Education of your state. I, I lot of people don't know that there's actual money available in most states for state residents. For example, I just got back in Florida, and they have what's called Bright Future. And Bright Future is a program that, um, if your SAT score I think is thirteen thirty or ACT is like twenty nine, um, you can get their top scholar award, which is called uh, Academic Scholar, and which will give you basically a full ride to any school in, in Florida. Wow! Um, and there, there's three levels. Um, bright uh, Missouri has what's called Bright Flight. Um, South Carolina has uh, Palmetto Fellows. Georgia has the Hope Scholarship. Alaska has Alaska performance scholarship, and these are based on test scores. So go to your state uh, department of education and see what's on there, because you may not have any idea what's what's available for you being a resident there.
0: Yeah, that's really interesting. I you know, I I also was looking up some stats here. It said um, one of the articles I was reading said in 2022. So far, Minnesota has the highest average SAT score with 1263. California is in the 31st spot with New York. With an average SAT score of 1057, uh, I, I thought that was interesting. Um, do you notice any trends uh, from state to state as far as SAT scores are concerned, or is there is there a certain uh, cultures or communities that place a heavier emphasis on doing well in in uh, SAT scores?
1: Oh, absolutely. You're going to find that the very competitive state like. Washington, D.C. will probably, because I'm based on their PSAT scores, I know that they're pretty high. But if you look at states like Washington, D.C. or Maryland or Virginia, they're going to have higher scores. Because if you think about who lives there, you know, Congress, it's very competitive. And so, yes, I think it's it's, it's what's, uh, how many kids are taking the test and how well they do. And so, yeah, you're going to find certainly higher scores. But then you might find something like West Virginia. That's a smaller state that is maybe not they don't necessarily put a lot of emphasis on it. They may have a lower score, Uh, but it it definitely comes down to the high schools themselves. Like, for example, some of the middle states in the country, as we now call them the flyover states, they tend to only promote the ACT and not the SAT, which really does a disservice to students. Because when you don't promote the SAT, you don't promote the PSAT. Mm -hmm. And that's the National Merit Scholarship Contest. ACT does not have a scholarship contest, and so uh, the schools there don't realize that number one, every single college takes SAT or ACT, so it doesn't matter, it makes no difference if they if they prefer one over the other, they'll just convert the score, so that's not a big deal. Uh, but unfortunately, people people don't know they, don't, they you don't know what you don't know. Yeah, and so people all the time will tell me, well, we only do the ACT here, and I'm like, well, no, that's not true. That's what the schools say. But the mm. schools don't have been talking about i can tell you right now that every it's a simple google search to look up to see if, if that every college takes either sct or act so mm. um and they were written by the same people so uh the two different companies but they were written but act writers rewrote the sat back in 2016 mm. so so you gotcha. this is why you have two similar tests that are pretty much the same
0: okay and then, um, you know, for Christian families, you know, we're who are, you know, concerned about college and so forth and so on. Um, does this have any impact for them as, as they're deliberating? You know, obviously, there's a huge fear right now about colleges uh, indoctrinating students. I know many families I've talked to who talk about how uh, college completely uh, took their kids in a in a in a direction they didn't want them to go. So, a lot of Christian parents are trying to be very very careful about where their kids go to college and making sure that that, that college supports um, you know, their views and so forth. Um, is there any uh, advice or guidance that you give in, in regards to that? Oh yeah, absolutely. Number, number one,
1: um, ACTs apply to Christian schools as well, private schools, that's where my kids went.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, that
1: was a problem. But here's a deeper thing that I wanted to say. Um, it, people ask me all the time, weren't you worried about your kids going to college and losing their faith? Mm. And here's, here's what I say. I say that it if you're worried, if your kids are going to lose their faith or go the wrong direction in college, they're going to go in the wrong direction at home. They're going mm. to go in the wrong direction at junior college, at a part-time job. It's a heart issue. Mm. And we have to have, if the heart's not right, it doesn't matter where they go. And I think we have to um, train our kids to be a Joseph. And a Joseph was someone who by the age of 17, Um, everything he knew about God and life was cut off at 17. Mm. He had no more Bible study. He had no more youth group. He had no more devotionals. He was thrown in a pit, sold into slavery, thrown into prison, accused, and ultimately became second in command. Mm. And so I think as parents, we don't need to worry. We shouldn't worry about whether our kids go to a Christian college or a secular college, because that may be where the Lord's taking them. Um, But, because, I, because not everybody at a Christian college is a Christian. Not yeah. every professor at a Christian college is a Christian. So what we as parents need to worry about is, you know, the issues of the heart for our mm-hmm. kids. Yeah. And and not every child is ready to go to college at 18, or maybe never. I mean, today, I you know, I, I don't think college is, 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 is the, the plan for every child, or maybe they need to take a gap year or two. Um, to get a little bit more mature, or to study for the SAT and get more scholarship money, um, but I think that's where we as parents need to to um, put our focus.
0: Yeah, and, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Them. I mean, uh, I mean, there's you know uh, books written on these subjects that uh, you know if 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 it if they're walking away in college, then that process started a long time ago. Um, I always talk to parents about that that the questions start happening in middle school, and you've got to start preparing them you know, in elementary school, you, you've got to start, um, you know, uh, planting those seeds and, and teaching them biblical truths and, and actually teaching them a lot of logic, um, and how to think things through thoroughly, um, when it comes to spiritual matters, which, uh, you know, impact everything. So, um, yeah, that's absolutely, that makes a ton of sense. So, uh, I appreciate that. And, um, and then when it comes to, um, let's see here, uh, when it comes to kids who aren't gonna to go to college, in um, your, is there a reason for them to be involved in this course? Or is that pretty much, you know, there's it's not something that they need to be involved with, you know, oh, if they are considering yeah. trade schools or something like that?
1: Right. And that's a great plan for a lot of students. Here's my take on it. You, nobody knows what they're gonna do. It's, nobody has their life plan out at 16, 17, or mm-hmm. even 18. And most yeah. people who go to college, probably most change their degree several times. Mm. Um, so, what, but, but my suggestion is this is that you should still always take your SATs while you're in high school. Um, because if, let's say you get out of high school two or three years and you decided to finally go to college, and if you hadn't taken your SATs, you, you forgot some basic geometry, some basic algebra. But what they do is they archive your score, scores indefinitely. So, it's a good backup plan. Take the test, shelf it, don't worry about it. Um, most colleges will t- take old SAT scores. I've had lots of my students who've been out of high school several years come take my course and still get a full ride to college. Wow. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a great backup plan because I, honestly, teenagers change their mind. Mm. We change our mind. Yeah. Um, and it's better just to have it there and say, look, this is just there. If you never use it, you never use it. And plus you've learned basic critical thinking skills that can help you at your job someday, because if yeah. they test you at your job, it's not probably going to be about your job.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, for those of you just tuning in, my guest today is Gene Burke, and um, we're talking about the SAT, and we're talking about free college. How do you get, how do you get college for free? And um, the SAT was actually founded in 1926. I, I looked this up as an adaptation of what's called the Army Alpha. It was an IQ test, which was checking the intelligence of recruits to the U.S. Army, um, and, and originally it was only taken by a few thousand college um, applicants but uh, eventually became what we have as the modern SAT. And Gene, uh, I was going to ask you about this. Uh, one of the things I stumbled on when I was um, you know, reading a- on the SAT is that it sounds like they're moving towards a digital format um, for the SAT. Is that, is that true? And, and is that going to change things at all? Or is it, is it going to be just uh, pretty much the same?
1: So yes, that is true. In 2024, they're going to go to digital. But the reason they're going to go to digital um, actually, we knew that was, we knew that was coming um, eventually, um, but what happened when, when the world shut down in 2020 and all, the SATs and ACTs were canceled, um, there was no way pe- they would have people come in, in person. Hmm. So they tried to roll out something digital. It failed miserably. And um, they knew that eventually, uh, you know, what if we get to another, you know, pandemic, Scamdemic, whatever you want to call it, <laughs> um, or pandemic, Some people yeah. in Australia call it.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, but if that ever happens, you know we're we're going to lose a ton of money. Um, but to be totally honest, you know what they're, who they're following? They're following the CLT. I don't know if you know about the CLT, the Classic Learning Test. I don't. It's been around no. about six and a half years. It's the alternative to the SAT and ACT. It's the perfect David and Goliath story. Uh, we are their official test prep. We love, we love the CLT, but when they came out against the big guys, you know, SCT has been around since the twenties, 1920s, ACT has been around since the, 20s, 1920s, around since the 1950s. Um, they said, there's no way that's going to work. Well, guess what happened? Nobody foresaw 2020 when everything shut down, but CLT was already remotely proctored.
0: Oh, wow. <laughs> and
1: so, yes. So every college took the CLT, their enrollment went at 5,000%. Oh my So, goodness. and it was only two hours long. So, yeah. So, the SAT decided well we better we better follow suit because if something like that ever happens again we're going to lose a ton of money
0: yeah yeah wow that's that's really cool and you're the the primary uh, preparer for that the CLT yep
1: yes we are their official test rep and we've had a lot of our kids get the top 1% on their test
0: wow because again amazing.
1: going back to the fact that the strategies that work on one test pretty much work on most tests mm-hmm. because that crossover information and just learning the te- test taking techniques um, can can be applied, and that and that's the key. So, anytime a company wants to sell you an SAT prep program and an ACT prep program and a PSAT, that is a red flag. They just want your money.
0: Oh wow! Um, so I was uh, so according to the uh, Scholarship Institute, it says a score of 1520 or above on the SAT puts a student in the 99th percentile. A score of 1350 or above puts a student in the 90th percentile. So. In your experience, Gene, um, what when when do the scholarships start kicking in? I know you mentioned the, the seven. Uh, I think you said uh, the seventy fifth based on the college. You know right. um, you were referring to, but but when a when a family is looking at this and going, okay. Um, we really want to get free college or let's say they are right. like, we we want to get 50% off uh, at least in scholarships or whatever. Um, is there a target they should be shooting for a, as far as a score on the SAT or so forth? Is there, or how right. does that work?
1: And you're right. It, it does very per col- like per college. Like I was saying, I think the university of Alabama was like a 26 ACT or 1240 SAT. Um, you know, uh, if I was going to give a sweet spot, I would say 1400, would be a sweet spot for numerous colleges. Um, certainly not Ivy Leagues or top tier because those are over the 15, 20, 15, 40 mark. Um, but you know what? If you, can, if you can get around 1400, but you may only need a 1300 to get above the 75th percentile in the school you want to go to. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. And the great thing is most colleges will super score. So, they'll take the highest test from different, uh, uh, highest scores from different tests. So, if you take the SAT one time and get a better math score, and then the next time you take it, your reading's better, they'll cherry pick the highest scores to give you an overall better score, which is why you should keep taking it over and over again to keep getting a higher
0: score. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. Um, And then, is this something there where, you know, um, obviously different kids are gifted in different places, different people are gifted in different areas. Uh, is this the kind of thing where it's something that universally somebody can can work at it and eventually get good at it? You know, you, all, you always hear kids say or parents say, my my child is not a good test taker. They, they do well and all these other things, but they're not a good test taker. Right. And is that something that they can actually grow in? Or is that kind of an innate ability that has to do with the way the mind thinks where there are some kids that that's just where they're at and this isn't going to be the path for them? No,
1: that's such a good question. So to jive several thoughts on that number one you've got your kids who would consider themselves a good test taker and what they are they are very logically minded naturally Mm. so it's very intuitive to them and they see patterns naturally they're kind of bent that way and for those students learning a few more strategies can really put them over the top um then you have your other students who are what we call the rule followers those are the kids who second guess themselves Overthink everything, stress over every question, and spend way too much time on every problem. Now, the great <laughs> thing is, is logic is not a personality trait. Logic is a trained skill, so mm. anybody can become a better test taker. Mm. I've had kids raise their scores seven hundred points on the SAT and nine points on the ACT. Whoa, I've crazy. had students who <laughs> had severe dyslexia and dysgraphia or autism that are National Merit Scholars. So yes, these are learnable tests. They're beatable tests. Mm. It's it's like how do you do well in piano? You learn the chords, you learn the keys, and then you practice. Mm. How do you do better at sports? You know, you learn the moves, the techniques, the plays, and then you practice. Well, how do you do? How do you beat a standardized test? You learn the patterns. You learn the you learn the the tricks, um, and, and then and and you um, you pra- you practice with real test questions. Um, these questions are purposely misleading and mm-hmm. the wrong answers can be very appealing. And so this is why you have really smart kids who bomb this test all the time wow. because it's, it's, it, it's designed for carelessness. Um, they know that you've got about a minute per question. And so kids are gonna rush really hard and really fast to try to answer the questions and they're gonna make mistakes. But when you've made a mistake, you've actually made two mistakes. Number one, you picked the wrong answer. Uh, number two, you failed to see the correct answer. But the more you start seeing the pattern, the, the, they kind of just start jumping out after a while to where you know what's, what's right and what's wrong.
0: That's fantastic. Well, I'm sure that's encouraging to a lot of families uh, to know that that is something that their child can improve on and, and grow in and get better on. And so um, what a huge blessing uh, to have that opportunity to not be burdened with this incredible debt when they get out of school. I mean, it's so tragic to me because I think about these young couples. They get out of college, and they're already struggling to find a job that's able to cover the bills. Uh, the real estate is through the roof, you know, the and what we're dealing with with all the inflation currently. And then they're they're starting a young marriage where there's a lot of stress on them financially too. So if there's anything we can do to help those uh, young kids get a head start in life. And not be burdened with all that extra stress and pressure. Uh, that's a wonderful opportunity. So, um, thank you for all that you do in that regard. We're just about out of time here. And uh, my guest today uh, is Gene Burke with CollegePrepGenius.com, a wonderful resource for you to be able to um, help your children and start preparing them early. So, uh, getting them ready. So, uh, thank thank you very much, Gene. Thank you so much, Kevin, for having me. Absolutely. Okay, and we'll be back again um, in a in a week. We're also going to be having on a gentleman by the name of John Storm, who um, is going around to high schools in a bus and using release time education with public high schools to give um, a Christian education class um, in the public high schools, and the kids are getting credit for it. So if you haven't heard about this, it's something that's going to really encourage you, another great opportunity where we can impact the next generation uh, for good and for Christ. So uh, thanks for being here, and we'll see you next time.